Tonight we'll be looking at Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 and 16. Ephesians 5, 6, 15 and 16. I will say this passage of scripture and many others in the word of God have many good exhortations for the year 2024 because it'll be another year that's passed by and that we do, as been said already, to take advantage of the time that the Lord will give us in this year. Ephesians 5:15. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Says God to help us. So. Father, we thank you that you have been so mercifully kind to us. And Lord, you have shown us over and over again your long suffering, your patience, and your love. And Father, we pray that you would help us as we come into another year to be still and to know who you are and to work while it's day, for we know the night is coming when no one can work. Father, we do thank you that we have these exhortations in scripture. And Father, we pray that you would give us a heart to do these things that you instruct us in and according to your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. Actually, you could translate this passage like this. He could say, look therefore how you walk or how you live, not thoughtlessly, but thoughtfully. And he says, like sensible men and not like simpletons. And then in verse 16, buying up opportunities, making the most of every opportunity, despite all the difficulties of these days, or you could say this age. So actually in this passage of scripture, this is an exhortation to the brethren in Ephesus to live as wise men and women and walk circumspectly as wise and not as fools. And what he's telling them to do here, because he's basically in this section teaching on wisdom, he's exhorting them to look around, pay attention, and pay attention to all the circumstances and all the consequences in life like one would do as if they were walking in a dangerous place. Because whether or not you know it, the world is a dangerous place. It's a dangerous place for the Christian, and we need to guard against any and everything that would snare you, everything that would bring shame on your testimony in Christ. And so that's why he would tell you to pay close attention to how you live in this present age. And then he says, redeeming the time, because the days are evil, or you could say the days are difficult and dangerous. And so the opportunities we have for the Christian service on this earth are very, very brief. That we may think it's forever, but it's brief because what we'll look at tonight is the fact that time passes swiftly and we must work while it is called today. As Like I said, because the night will come when no longer you can work. So he's exhorting these professing Christians to be wise in the use of their allotted time that's given to them by God and he wants them to use this time wisely and not be like fools who in the world sin away their whole life, never respond to the gospel call, and end up in a sinner's hell. Now the question tonight is, have you ever thought about the significance of the ticking sounds on a clock? 
because what I'm talking about tonight is, is because clocks just keep on ticking. And even when the power goes out, time goes on. And even though the clock is not ticking. But have you ever thought about the significance of that? And if you're a youth here tonight, I'm not talking about TikTok. Because I realize that we live in a, well, I don't even know what TikTok is, but I've heard of it. But, you know, we live in a, a d digital age, but I'm just talking about a, talk, a clock that has hands and, you know, TikTok and TikTok and TikTok. But I realize I'm living in this age, so most people might not even know what a regular clock is anymore. But the ticking sound on regular clocks and watches help us to keep up with the time to measure time. It lets us know what the seconds and the minutes and the hours and the days and the weeks and the months and the years are passing on, even decades and centuries and millennia. It lets us know that things are growing older. A clock will let you know that you are growing older. A mirror will let you know that you are growing older and that time is actually passing by. In Psalm 102, verse 24 to 27, this is what the psalmist says. He said, oh my God, do not take me away in the midst of my days, for your, your years are throughout all generations. The psalmist says, for of old, <clears throat> he says, for of old you have laid the foundation of the earth and the heavens are the works of your hands. They will perish, but you will endure. Yes, they will all grow old like a garment, like a cloak, you will change them and they will be changed but you are the same and your years are forever. So not only are we growing old, but the creation itself is growing old. Romans chapter eight says the whole creation is groaning, waiting for the hope to be delivered for, from the corruption of the bondage of sin that was committed by man. The creation is waiting to be delivered from the bondage of decay, from the slavery to death and the tyranny of change and decay. So. These clocks let us know that time is passing by, things are dying and decaying, and it's also letting us know soon this world will be over. You know, clocks affirm the infallible truth of the word of God. 1 John 2.17, the world is passing away and the lust thereof, but he who does the will of God abides forever. And because of the consequences of the sin of Adam, this world is temporary. You know, Pastor Jim's preached to us many times that all flesh is but grass and all the glory of man is as the flower of the grass. It withers and fades away. Jesus says this in Matthew 6, 19, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on this earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. And the reason why he says it is because everything here is temporary, it's decaying, it's rusting, it's corruptible. And so that's what makes how you and I should look at this world in order to make the best of our time. Because we need to live in the knowledge of the fact that we are living in a world that is cursed and that is passing away. And we must not waste our precious time chasing the vain things that it offers to us because it's all swiftly passing away. 2 Corinthians 4, 16 to 18, just giving you a few scriptures tonight. It says, our outward man is perishing, in other words, dying, talked about our bodies, but the inward man is being renewed day by day, in other words, strengthened, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. 
So there's a lot more you can be expounded from that passage, but what I'm saying tonight is, is regardless of age, physical condition, and health, you are growing old, you are passing away. You know, one told me, and my wife was there when she told us, that they were aging backwards. No, you think you're aging backwards. No, everything is temporary and decaying. It says, so when we are born into this world, I can say it this way, we are all on the clock. And that clock has been ticking since it was said, it is a boy or it is a girl, or since you have been given a name. Now, in this ticking of the clock, it tells us basically that we do have an end, whether it's at death or rather at the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's been headed for some time to the end in other words, headed for the end until since Adam sinned in the garden. And every person born into this world, and this is a frightening thing to say, has been appointed, and I'm using the clock tonight, so many ticks on the clock. And one day the last tick on the clock will sound. And the writers of Ecclesiastes says, man does not know his time. The writer of Hebrews says that it is appointed for men to die once, but after this, the judgment. So when that appointed number, that tick on the clock are completed as our time in this world, it's going to be expired and you are no longer on the clock. What happens when the clock stops ticking? Well, you leave this world, and I'm going to just put it in my words, you step over into eternity with a never dying soul. You leave this body and your body rests in the grave awaiting for the resurrection and the final judgment. And at that time when this happens, you are either redeemed or you are lost. And there are no more ticks on the clock. There's no more change that will be possible. Whatever, whenever that day happens, everything about you, whatever you were, is permanent. There's no more change possible. And you are what you are. There, and, and to throw this over to the side, there is no purgatory. There is no second chance. So when the gospel call comes out, when you re reject this call for the rest of your life and those ticks stop on that clock, there's no other that you can not possibly ever be saved. That's a sad thing to think about because when that happens, there's no more chances. And some people have heard the gospel over and over and over again. You cannot turn on the radio. You cannot get on YouTube. You cannot look at TV. The gospel in America has been completely preached for years and years and years and years. And still people have not turned to the Lord. Well, when this happens, if you're a believer and united with Christ, to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. That'll be a glorious day for the believer. That's why the believer does not have to be afraid of death because there's no sting in death for the believer. Now, if the unbeliever, when he stops ticking, it means to be in torments, suffering in agony, and no corrections are possible in hell. But redemption must take place in this age. There was an old song when I grew up, and it was a, kind of like a rock song, and it, the song says, if I could turn back the hands of time. I'm gonna ask you a question tonight. What would you do if you could turn back the hands of time? Most people say, I would have tried to get more exercise or I would have ate better, you know, and all these kind of things. If you're a Christian, I hope you'll say, I wish I'd have lived closer to the Lord. I wish I'd have took better 
time to do to take good time and use of the means of grace. You know, I wish I would have been more loving. You know, I wish I would have witnessed the gospel more because that's what actually matters in this life. All the other stuff is just temporary and it's going to all fade away. From a spiritual standpoint, there were many who died unrepentant that wished they could turn back the hands of time. They wished that they had not wasted the day of grace because once that time is gone, like I said, you cannot recover it and it cannot be reversed. And that's why we continually cry from this pulpit to sinners that today is the day of salvation. You say, how much time do I have? The time you got now is all you have. And you don't know if you're going to have more and everything that you used to have before this time, it's all in the past. And that's why time is so precious. And it's just, it's just swiftly, swiftly fading away. I watch some of these kids run around here and rip and run. I, and I think, um, I remember I used to do it. <laughs> Can't do it no more, you know. And I'm not one of these crazy people to try to do it and get all messed up and be in the hospital 14 or 15 weeks. I'm not doing no suicide exercises and all that crazy stuff. I don't need that. I've had a broken leg before, and I know it takes forever to heal up from that. And I probably wouldn't even heal up from it now if I broke a leg. But what I'm saying is, is that time passed by so swiftly, and you change, and things have decayed. And it, it's, it's just basically what they say in the world. It is what it is. And you have grown older. And, but the main thing is not if you've grown older. Did you take advantage of the time God gave you on this earth? Because it's precious. Well, a few things just tonight. Why is time so precious, so valuable? Because time is opportunity. It's a precious gift from God. As Pastor Jim said it when he opened up, he said, buy, buy up the opportunity. Take advantage of it. Take the most of the time God, or make the most of the time that God has given you. Psalm 90, verse 12, the psalmist says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. One man talks about this, and he says, you need to pay the price in effort and exertion that is necessary in using time and making the most of time. In other words, make good use of the opportunity to serve God, to serve the people of God, to preach and teach and minister the word of God to the lost, to bear fruit in this life and let that fruit remain until the end because God has given us time. He's given every one of us enough time to use all the means of grace and I'm going to tell you, brethren, if you have a problem using the means of grace, the problem is not a lack of time. And I tell people this in oversights all the time. It's priority is where your problem is. Priority is where mine is. You know, when I'm not doing what I need to do, not praying when I need to pray, not reading the word of God when I read, it's priority. You say, well, what are you telling me tonight? I'm telling you to make time. When you want to do something you want to do, you make time. I, say, I always say people do what they want to do. People do what's in their heart that they really love and what they really want to do. Now, there's times I'm tired and I don't want to read and things like that. But I always tell myself, God has given you enough time. You know, and he just tells you that, okay, now I've given you this time that you may be busy and have to do this, that, that, but you need to go into the midst of your busy schedule and make time to be holy. Make time to know the Lord. Make time to study his word. 
Now, I will say this, we all do not have the same opportunities. We don't have the same resources and gifts. We don't all have the same gospel privileges because it varies from individual to individual according to the grace that is given to them. And so Matthew 25, 14 to 15, I'm not going to look at this whole parable, but it's the parable of the talents. And this is a picture of accountability at the judgment seat of Christ on the last day. And he says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, in verse 14, who called his own servants and delivers his goods to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. And then he says this, and I, this is where I want to read this, to each according to his own ability. And he said, you know, and you think about that, everybody doesn't have the same ability. Every, like I said, everybody doesn't have the same gifts and everybody doesn't have the same gospel privileges as everybody else does. And so some believe that this parable is speaking concerning gospel ministers, which I would agree with them on this, with the gifts and abilities given to them by Christ, but I want to just point out one thing, is that not only do we all not have the own gifts and abilities, but we all are accountable to what we do have. The one only had uh, two talents and the one only had one talent. But the problem is not how many talents you have or how many gifts you have. Your problem is, were you faithful over a few things? Were you faithful over what the Lord had given you to, to do in his kingdom? Because you had all these privileges that you were entrusted with. The, the problem is with faithfulness. And a lot of people don't understand is like people say, well, if I get on the big stage and there's thousands and thousands of people watching me and stuff like that, you know, I'm a big time saint in the eyes of God. You know who is a big time saint in the eyes of God? A woman or a man who gets in the prayer clauses and prays day and night for the progress of the kingdom of God. And you know what? Nobody sees it. Because, you know, we live in an age where we want to be seen. We want to be known. But if that's all you do, that's one of the greatest things that you could ever do in the kingdom of God. And a lot of progress has come in the kingdom of God with people who secretly serve God on their knees when nobody else was listening. We've got intercessors in this church, and they do a lot of praying that people don't even know about. But I wanted to point out that time if it's not used, it's a wasted talent, and it can be wasted and grossly misused. You need to be faithful to these privileges and things that the Lord gives you. Ecclesiastes 8, 10 to 14 says, There are wicked men that live in this world who prolong their days living a good life and wasting all this precious time that has been allotted unto them by God. And so we're saying, yes, time is a precious gift given to us by God, and you need to use that gift for the glory of God. Second thing about time, time is short. Unpredictable, there's no guarantee of continuance. The law of average says this, if you are young, you still have a lot of life to live, and hopefully you do, and in which most cases it will be true. You'll live many more years. But let me tell you something about, well, I'm going to say the law of averages. The will of God supersedes all law of averages. Because you don't know God's secret will, and because you don't know God's secret will, you do not have a guarantee that you're going to live even another day. 
James chapter 4.15, he said, what you, what you said, you who say you're going to go today and do this and tomorrow we're going to do that. He says, what you should say, if the Lord wills, we'll do this and we'll do that. Because God controls life and death. And even if you live to be 100 years old, time is short and your days are few. I was telling a brother today, I was reading in Genesis 47, and uh, Pharaoh was asking uh, Jacob when he came over into Egypt, you know, he said, how old are you? And Jacob said, I'm 136 years, 137 years old. And he said, but he said, my days have been, uh, he basically said his days have been evil and his days have been few. Now, I was thinking about that. If somebody was on the earth today and they was living 137 years old, Somebody would give them money to say that he had taken this supplement all his life. And you know what I mean? And that, you know, that his body was restored. He's young again. You know, it's almost like being born again physically, you know, and stuff like that. And that's what the world would do today. But Jacob was saying that even in the midst of having 137 years on this earth, he calls his days few and evil. Why? because the earth is evil and it's run by the evil one. And it's always gonna be difficulty and problems on this earth. And our brother read this tonight, and this is specifically for our youth tonight because of how swiftly time passes and how uncertain it is. Ecclesiastes 12.1 says, remember now your creator in the days of your youth. And I put it in my words tonight, while you are full of energy, while you are full of zeal. Now, a lot of you haven't been saved long enough, so a lot of your zeal is, is without knowledge, but it's better than no zeal at all. But while you have zeal, and while you can sprint to labor in the kingdom of God, and you can spend and be spent for the work of Christ, don't waste your energy pursuing the vain things of this world, but sprint doing the will of God. Because when you get older, you will find out that this race is no longer a sprint. It's a marathon. And I'm finding out every day that as your body grows older and things like this, things that I didn't have to push to do, I have to push to do it now. You know, you look at us, some of our older people, and they won't admit it tonight, but they're not so much looking to sprint as to find somewhere to take a nap. And you understand what I'm saying? Because you get tired, you get old, you get weary, and all these things. And I'll say it tonight, it takes courage to become old. It takes courage to, courage to deal with old age. And so I'm telling you, if you're young tonight, use up your good health and your good energy for the kingdom of God while you have it. And, you know, like Pastor Jim, Pastor McDermott, and all the others in here, as they've grown older, they use their strength while they were young. You know, they did what they could do for the kingdom of God while they were young. They're still doing it, but you understand what I'm saying. You know, they didn't waste those years. And you need to look up with men like that who were faithful in the younger years of their life and use their strength and their energy for the kingdom of God and promoting Christ and him crucified. Now, Psalm 92 says this in verse 12. It says, the righteous will flourish like a palm tree. And then verse 13, 
Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Now, I read that because the old people are not going to get away with it tonight. I got to read this next verse. For they shall bear fruit in old age. That's my promise right there. I read that all the time. He said, they shall be fresh and flourishing to declare that the Lord is upright. He is my rock and there is no unrighteousness in him. To my older brethren tonight, you have no excuse not to flourish. He just said flourish in the house of God. To me, that's a promise. Just like our brother preached the other night about so, so, is, your day, so is, your, is your day, so shall your strength be. God is telling you as you get in old age, I'm going to give you strength and you're going to flourish in the house of God. And you're going to be able to come to church and you're going to be able to worship me. I didn't say you was going to feel good all the time. I did not say it was going to be easy. But I don't know about anybody else. I'm going to push it as long as I can. And I told Vanessa one day, I said, and if I get down where I can't walk, roll me into church so I can hear the word of God. But you can flourish in the house of God. And you never get too old where you cannot serve God. And even if you can't do near as much as you used to do, you can serve him with your heart. And you can pray to him and say words to the Lord your God. And one other thing tonight, number three. Time is a long-suffering and merciful patience of God. Questions come all the time. Why has God let time continue in this fallen world? Why does he preserve the life of those who despise and hate him and mock and despise his son? Why doesn't God just call down fire from heaven and wipe out the whole earth because the days are so evil. And just like in Genesis, man's imagination seems to be evil continually. In other words, why doesn't judgment fall and God just end it all? And this passage of scripture you know well know, I think the apostle Peter gloriously answers this question. Second Peter 3, 9. He says, the Lord is not slack or slow Concerning his promise, talking about the promise of the return of Christ because he's dealing with scoffers right here, and some count slackness. But he is long-suffering toward us. He, in other words, he bears patiently with us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If he didn't do that, none of us would be here tonight. None of us would be here tonight. And sometimes you look at the world, and, and I'll be, sometimes you get so frustrated, you say, Lord, just end it. <laughs> you know. But you know what? There's a lot of souls out there that need to be saved. And you know what? I wouldn't want nobody to have said that before I was saved. And that's, God is long-suffering. But thank God he's not like us. And his long suffering is time, and time is salvation, and time is a merciful opportunity for us. Because if God did not have this specific attribute alone, none would ever be saved. This, this attribute of long suffering is directed correct is is direct <laughs> correctly directed to mercy and compassion and patience and the love of God. Just to give you something to think about, God was merciful and long-suffering before he uh, destroyed the world with a flood. Say, so what are you saying? Well, 
1 Peter 1.20, Peter talks about the divine long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which few, that is eight souls, were saved through water. You know what? 120 years is a long time to hear something. And God was long-suffering and patient with these people. And Noah was warned divinely by God of the things not seen, moved with godly fear, and prepared for the saving of his household. So God did not destroy the world. He let them hear truth for 120 years, and they rejected it. And only Noah and his family were saved. That's what the long-suffering of God is. And while the ark was preparing, Noah was preaching righteousness. And God mercifully warned them, and, and the then known world, except for his whole family, were destroyed because they sinned against and they despised the divine long-suffering of God. It, let me put it to you like this. They had plenty of time to repent, and the whole world was destroyed. Luke 17, 26, 30, Jesus says that in the days of his coming, it will be like in the days of Noah, and men and women will be totally caught off guard at his coming, ignoring the gospel, letting the day of grace pass them by, being entangled in the things of this life, eating, drinking, marrying, which nothing wrong with these things, but it's at the expense of their souls. They will be totally ignoring God. So... In Noah's days, you see God's long-suffering in the time of his preaching. But in this gospel age, God's long-suffering is seen in his church being built. And the church continues to be built all over this world and is being built and being prepared for that day when she will be prepared to Christ. I mean, presented to Christ as the Lamb of God without spot, wrinkle, blemish, or any such thing. That's what's going on in the age right now. People say, well, aren't we at the end of the world? I don't know where we are. Well, one thing I know is, is that we need to take advantage of the time to preach the gospel to everybody in this world. Ezekiel 33, 11, the Lord says, I say to them, as I said, say to them as I live, says the Lord, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but that the wicked may turn from his way and live. And here's the call. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why should you die, O house of Israel? In other words, this is the heart of God towards sinners, not willing that any should be perished, to perish but have everlasting life. Matthew 24, 14, that this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. So it'll come a day when the day of grace is over, no more gospel will be preached. It will be the end of the age. It'll be the last of everything. No more time. And these sad words will be said by many. Jeremiah 8.20, the harvest is past, the summer is ended, and we are not saved. Sad words. Very sad words. So let me give you some application and exhortation going into 2024. Number one, stop putting things off that are spiritual priorities that need to be done. There are things that need to be done in all of our lives for spiritual health and well-being and growth and holiness and godliness. 
and we need to make sure in 2024 that they get done. You say, I need to read my Bible more. I need to pray more. I need to visit the sick more. I need to serve the people of God more, and this, that, the other. Well, here's what I tell you for 2024. Go do it. Do it. Did I say it would be easy? No. But the tendency is to be spiritually lazy. But you need to stop putting things off that are spiritual priorities because your soul is involved in all this. And we need to work while it's time. We need to work while it's day because the night is coming when no man can work. I thought the other day, I said, what would happen if they wouldn't let us meet no more? What would you do? Good question. I'd find somebody to meet with. And I'd look for somebody. I may not find them, but I would look for somebody to meet with. Because, you know, where two or, mother, two or more gathered in the name of Christ, he's there in their midst. And so we need to make sure that we don't procrastinate in that going into this year. And if you're a sinner tonight, the word of God says repent and believe the gospel. The gospel is not an option. It's an urgent call because now is the only time that you are guaranteed that you will hear that call in your life. You may not never hear it again. Simple words of Jesus to sinners. John 12, 36. He says, while you have the light, believe in the light that you may become sons of light. You have the light right now. You know, the gospels preach. You know, it's opened up every Lord's Day here. The light is here. Just don't sin against the light. Come to the Savior who is the light because he's giving you time to come. And then the last thing is quit wasting time. <laughs> you said, well, that's legalism. No, that's wisdom. Quit wasting time. And what I mean by that is a lot, we waste a lot of pre precious time because we procrastinate. And, you know, we put things off and we intend to do them, but we never get to do them because we put them off in the future. And so we're depending on another day. Proverbs 27.1, the writer of the Proverbs says, Solomon says, do not boast about tomorrow for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Procrastination is a sin and folly of depending on future time. Now, when I say that you're depending on future time, I do not mean that you can conclude that you're not going to live another day. We should prepare and expect to live another day. You know, because some people take this scripture out of context. We should prepare and expect, and we have, the reason I say that is because we have everyday responsibilities as mother, fathers, husbands, wives, you know, employers, employees, and stuff. You know, expect to go to work tomorrow. Because God, whatever he tells us to do, like he says, take no thought for tomorrow, he never tells you to become lazy and irresponsible. That's not what those scriptures are saying. And you have to go into Proverbs to see that it tells you to prepare. And so we can, when we do things like that, we can just boast that we will because we don't know what a day may bring forth. So we're going to do this and we're going to do that. But he's saying here is that you don't know what a day will bring forth. So don't count on tomorrow, but go to bed tonight knowing or thinking that I have to get up in the morning, I have to go to work, and I have to do all these things. 
but don't boast of tomorrow because you do not own that day. Now, the sin of procrastinations is to put things off, and that's why it becomes a sin because you think you're guaranteed another day. But what I would say is more than likely you'll get up in the morning, but don't take it for granted. Go to bed not only prepared to do what you got to do in this world, but go to bed prepared to, to go into the next world. And so when we procrastinate, we go to bed sometimes, taking tomorrow for granted, didn't pray, didn't go to church this week, didn't do anything, just going along with the flow of the world, putting off spiritual things. And we put off spiritual things sometimes because they're so hard to do. But you do not own tomorrow. Take advantage of today. A couple of Proverbs, Proverbs 10, 5, to show you that when you say that, you're not saying that you're not responsible. Proverbs 10, 5 says, he who gathers is a wise son, and he who sleeps in harvest is a son who causes shame. And then Proverbs 6, 6, of course, you know this one. Go to the ant, you sluggard, and consider her ways and be wise. And in other words, take no thought for tomorrow is not meant to make you lazy or irresponsible but it's telling you to live here wisely as a Christian, taking advantage of all the gospel opportunities that we have. So I just preached this message tonight to tell all of us that for years 2024, take time to be holy. Very simple, because it takes time to be holy. Continue to prepare for the coming of the Lord. And if the Lord doesn't come in your lifetime, death will. Just be prepared. And use the means of grace. You know, we as a church, we have a lot to do. We have a lot that we can help people with. You know, we have a lot of work that needs to be done here. To tell you the truth, brothers, we ought to always be busy about our Father's business. Because there is plenty to do. And some people tell me there's nothing to do. Oh, yeah, there's stuff to do. There's plenty to do. You know, and so when we come into 20 to 24, 2024, I want you to come in under the banner of this scripture right here, and we'll close down tonight. Matthew 6, 33. This is where you want to go into New Year. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things, basically, that the Gentiles seek shall be added unto you. That's a simple scripture. But what that will do, if that's your priority, you will redeem the time and you will make the most of your time in the days ahead if the Lord grants that to you. Because time is short. We have no guarantees. There's still much, much work to be done in the kingdom of God. You have two men sitting here tonight that teach men in other countries and they can tell you how you know churches are being planted and how the gospel is spreading and stuff there's multitudes actually throughout the whole world that are hearing the gospel that are coming to the sound of the gospel churches being planted and stuff like that they're you know the knowledge of the world of the lord is covering the whole world in one sense but you can't do it if you are lazy and you're going to procrastinate and you don't want to be busy about god's business no Go into 2024, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, 
and I promise you that you will make the best opportunity and based the best uh, opportunity, the best of your opportunities that God has ever given you. I mean, you'll use them and you'll go into the next year prepared to do the work and the will of God. Because Christ has paid a mighty price for us. And you know, we're not working for salvation. We're just serving him and obeying him in what he told us to do. And he told us to take the gospel into the whole world and preach to every creature. There's plenty of work to be done. Someday it'll be over. Someday time will be behind us. And you know, times that's in the past, you can't do anything about it. Times that's in the future, you can't do anything about it because you really don't know what's gonna happen in the future. The only time that you can do anything about is right now. That's the only time. And so we need to be busy about our Father's business. Let's pray. Father, we thank you tonight for your long suffering and your mercy. We thank you, Lord, that you have opened the way for us to minister to others, for us, Lord, to take the gospel to the world, Lord, for us to serve and worship you and to serve each other in love as Christ has loved us. Father, we do pray that this coming year we will see many converted to Christ, many coming to the altar of Christ and bowing the knee to the King of kings and the Lord of lords and following him all the days of their life. Father, we thank you for the many years that you've given us as a church and how you protected us and watched over us and how you've kept us together as one in Christ. And we pray next year that even more will be added daily, not to just this church, but to the churches throughout this world, and that many sinners will flock to Christ to be saved. Father, we thank you for your long-suffering, Lord, for uh, putting up with us and all our inconsistencies, Lord, all our sin, Lord, all the things in our lives that are not pleasing to you. And Father, we do pray that you will give us strength and grace in the coming days to serve you as we ought, to love you as we ought, to, as we heard this morning, to know you as we ought. We thank you that we could be here tonight. We give you the glory for everything that's happened in your house today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.